Welcome again, true believers, to Graphically Novel. My name is Josh Wasta, a.k.a. Fallout Fieri. And with me, as always, is the Francis to my Wade, the <laughs> puberty to my Negasonic teenage warhead, my, ooh, let's just call it cancer. <laughs> it's bear. And with us, for most if not all of this season, the lovely and talented Baronessa. Hello, how are you? And for today's episode, we actually have a good friend of ours, Reed Holdridge. Thank you for coming. Sure thing. Happy to be here. Our local Deadpool authority, in fact, got to choose out of the vast library of Deadpool what we would read for today. And he chose a Wolverine comic. (laughs) It was a hard choice, man. There is so much material out there. I had to pick something that was standalone. So we're going with Wolverine Origins. It's the first part of Volume 5 if you're reading the graphic novel, or if you really want to go for individual issues, it's issues 21 through 24. I've got all sorts of notes. I've rewatched the movie today, and we've all read the comic. But I have some past with X-Men and Deadpool in particular. So the movie depicts a much, in my opinion, softer Deadpool than we see in this comic, which is strange because the movie also has fuckload more cursing and violence and everything else. And there's the explicit tag. There you go. (laughs) Why this graphic novel? There's a lot of stuff that is alluded to in the movie, and I know we don't want to talk too much about the second one, but it's still tagged in the first one as well. The mention of Wolverine comes up. There's... That rivalry that are similar heroes in just the power scope and you got to be able to draw that comparison and seeing a head-to-head grudge match. Everyone likes seeing the two monsters throw down. Had to pick something standalone because everything else ties into so much broader storylines that needed something simple to kind of introduce people to. Absolutely rings true. And actually, I have the note here. That both. We're not going to get too much into the spoilery part of the graphic novel because we want you to read it. But one of the notes I have here is this really illustrates that Wolverine and Deadpool are monsters. They're not great people. (laughs) They're not heroes in your typical sense. Oh, absolutely not. The comic very clearly illustrates that they are willing to go to just about any length to get the job done that they're trying to get done, up to and including potentially killing innocent bystanders. Jen, what did you think? Yeah, I have to agree. I've never been a huge fan of Wolverine, but this was very interesting to me that the issues that we read took great pains to show how awful Wolverine really is as far as a death 
tall. <laughs> She's got a pretty high count there. He we does all... have a couple of redeeming moments in there. Yeah. Eh, kind kinda. of redeeming <laughs> moments. <laughs> right. No spoilers, but yeah. there's some moments where you're just like, oh, and he went to rescue somebody. Oh, that didn't work out so well for him. Yeah. <laughs> it's interesting because it's something for Deadpool. Not specifically for this comic, but behind... The wacky, funny hijinks and behind, God, Deadpool, blah, blah, blah. He's an insane killer. He really is a mercenary through and through. And that's something that in a lot of his storylines is taking great pains to show. And it's not something that you get a lot of in the movie. I think you're definitely right in that though the movie is way more explicit in the violence, it is a much, much softer and relatable characterization to the character, which seems to be a theme for a lot of the folks that you go through. Constantine comes to mind on that one. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, we, <laughs> we did discuss that. And Harold, back to our episode on Constantine, where we talk about what a gigantic dick he is. <laughs> In more ways than one. Right. He thinks with, the, with yeah, the small head. That's also true. Our regular co-host and our limited edition co-host. Did you have anything to bring? Or did you just see my page of notes and be like, woohoo! <laughs> well, I thought it was interesting in these issues. Anyone who is familiar with Deadpool as a character knows that he is not really quite right in the head, but these issues kind of brought that forward in a way that has not been present before, as far as I have experienced. The first issue starts with that. Who's talking? Who is this? Which I thought was interesting. Once I got to the end of the issues of that story arc, it made sense. And a little bit of foreshadowing, maybe. Deadpool's crazy is something that morphs throughout his different portrayals in comics. He is shown as, in this one, it's mostly hallucination-based. In others, it's voices, more and more schizophrenic. And the separation from reality takes a lot of different forms throughout his different incarnations in the comics. And if I remember right, his ability to break the fourth wall is actually something that happened in the series. Loki did it to him. So the Loki comic is something that I specifically sought out for a long time. And spoilers, it's kind of a letdown scene because it's a very simple conversation when you first read it between the two of them and the only line that Deadpool is left with is it's just a man at, the, at a typewriter and that's really it and he broke the fourth wall way before that conversation happened but that was given kind of a retcon for how he frames the fourth wall breaking from that point forward. Interesting. Well, and we know if you're listening to this show, you have probably watched the first Deadpool movie. That is definitely going to be on the table for spoilers moving forward in the show, as in what we normally do. But lots more of that in the movie, in a way to kind of soften and relate. A lot of the choices that are made, you don't get a lot of collateral damage, at least none that are shown. The opening fight scene is a great example of that for this movie, because there is a ton of carnage. But... At least all of these guys asked for it because they went in and instead of running away, decided to start shooting at this crazy guy who jumps off the overpass into their truck. Right. 
any normal person who's not a red shirt villain would run screaming. So they kind of ask for it. And then there's everybody else just suffers an LA traffic jam. Until Joker, Deadpool was the only R-rated superhero film to gross over a billion dollars. It is a huge tentpole. And now, with the acquisition of Fox, I'm going to ask the question that everybody wants to play the game on. How would you love to see Deadpool introduced into the MCU? Actually, tough question. So, there's a fan theory that's been floating around the internet that I would dearly love to see. Probably won't happen. But... It's been floated that have Deadpool take over Stan Lee's cameos as a way to introduce him as just kind of genre hopping throughout the MCU. Because Deadpool's initial story arc is actually a galactic storyline. It's a slow burn galactic storyline, but it is a galactic storyline. It is something that he shows up in all of these places and could do so. I don't think... Disney's going to make that choice, but it would be a cool way to have it done. So he keeps the time travel teleporter from (laughs) I mean, that would be the way to do it. It would. Jen, any ideas on it? I had heard something about Deadpool taking over the Stan Lee cameos, and I think it would be excellent. I think it would just be brilliant. Rather than everyone being like, oh, it's Stan Lee, it would be Deadpool and inevitably breaking the fourth wall and then moving on. And I just think it would be brilliant to have that moment in multiple movies. And I think Ryan Reynolds is one of the best actors for that. Yes, absolutely. He can absolutely jump into any situation like that and pull that off. Let's jump to that. Let's talk about Ryan Reynolds for a second. Is there any more perfect actor? Obviously, it's in retrospect, but is there anyone that could have done what he has done for this character? Well, he was in the 2004 series Cable and Deadpool, He was written in. Ryan Reynolds was written into the comic as Deadpool looks like a combination of Ryan Reynolds Reynolds and and a Sharpay. (laughs) He's been a huge fan of the character, which, side note, is why I've always supported Channing Tatum doing Gambit. Right. As a big Gambit fan. Right. It's another person who loves that character. Right. There have been some other examples. Chadwick Boseman's a good example. Mm -hmm. He loves... Black Panther. Right. He originally did a screen test and auditioned for Drax, but only to get That's his right. foot in the door for MCU because he didn't think he was popular enough. He thought Idris Elba was going to be the next, the Black Panther or right, right. whatever. But yeah, you'll find a lot of those people that just love their characters. Tom Holland's another really good There example. we go. Yeah, yeah, I was waiting for someone to go there because Tom Holland effectively, at least if the PR is correct, saved Spider-Man for the MCU. And yeah, he was the go-between between Sony and Marvel. Yeah. To say, no, this just needs to happen. Get over your shit because right. there's a lot of money on the table. <laughs> Not just that, but people right. really enjoy his Spider-Man. Yeah, and having a star care about that character enough to push for it and have that passion and bring it to the project really shows that you can get a quality product out of it. Even though he is just CGI, let's talk about another character that is perfect in this movie and compare him to the comics. Let's talk a little little Piotr, 
little Colossus. Mr. I Love the Beat Sticks. I actually really enjoyed Colossus, and they're just basically as comedy relief. As the um, straight laced. Yeah, as the... Right. Which he actually is in the comics. They overinflated it a little bit, but he really is like the goody two-shoes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. He's the, which is he's funny the Superman he, that can't fly, basically. Right, right which is funny because he worked for the Russian monk. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, unwittedly, but right. that's his background. Reed, I know you are an X-Men fan. I know that we have had at many of the X-Men discussions. What do you think about the portrayal of Colossus? I'm kind of mixed on it, actually. On the one hand, they did a good representation, and he filled the needed role of the straight-laced character. I know why they did the CGI only, but I think it's kind of a disservice to the character of Colossus that he is stuck in steel mode the entire time because it limits the relatability of the character because it really removes a big portion of the human elements and almost puts him in the same category as the thing where this is someone who upholds human ideals because they can't really be human themselves anymore. No, that's fair. That actually adds a good level to him. One of my favorite parts of the X-Men comics is when there is a very human moment and Colossus depowered. You can watch him pull his shell down to have a discussion with somebody. And I, yeah, that probably could have been done fairly well, especially his five moments speech mm-hmm. at the end of oh, Deadpool. If yeah. he had walked up and four or five moments and yeah. depowered to, as a human talking to another human, be like, there are five moments. Yeah. And then Deadpool's going to do what he does. And then up immediately, <laughs> all of a sudden, the gunshot anyway. goes off, the, the armor comes back up. There was an opportunity missed, but a small opportunity, I think. One of the things that I kind of worry about with the Deadpool movies, actually, is because of the budget constraints in the first Deadpool movie, they had to cut a lot of stuff that is key for Deadpool. And pulling back to the comic that I picked up about for this, Deadpool isn't just straight skill. Deadpool is also toys. Deadpool does a lot with toys and mostly toys that explode yes yes (laughs) weapons caches and different applications of explosives and all of that big fireworks stuff that we don't get to see in the movies just because they either chose not to go that route or didn't have the special effects budget for big gunfights well but they did the wink because they have when he's loading up twice he forgets Weapons. Once in the cab and once he forgot to bring his ammo belt. So they make the nod to loading up this duffel bag with like every weapon in the house and everything's going to be the... And there are grenades in there. There's also a Hugh Jackman sexiest person alive, People magazine. But anyway, and he has all this and then he leaves it in the cab. And while he tries to call... Mohinder, he gets in a car accident. Dopender. Dopender, I'm sorry. Yeah, a joke in itself. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost as if they're nodding to, oh, you're going to see this huge big gunfight. We don't have the budget. He leaves it in the cab. There are very strategic choices in the characterization of Deadpool in the movies versus the comics. Because they've definitely made very strong choices on which incarnations of Deadpool to use for that type of stuff. The de-emphasis on the mental instability, the de-emphasis on toys. Admittedly, some of Deadpool's initial toys are hugely overpowered, but they also make reference to that at the end of the second movie. Because teleportation in his initial arc is something that he does all the time and even shows up in the video game incarnations. Yep. Jen, we meandered a little bit, but thoughts on Colossus? I was not aware that he could 
not be Colossus. So I learned something. Having him be in that form throughout that movie makes sense. The real human moments that Deadpool has in that movie are with his girlfriend. Right. And those are the real human... And also with Megasonic Teenage Teenage Warhead. Warhead. Those are the only two real, real human Mm. moments that he has. No, no, no. no. Finish your tweet. Go ahead. (laughs) Speaking of Megasonic Teenage Warhead, I have a special game that we're going to play. Oh. Trivia all about this character. (laughs) Uh, I have already lost this. (laughs) (laughs) I think this is going to be a race to the bottom. (laughs) Of my First question... You may actually get there. Where does her name come from? Uh, yeah, you you picked the wrong person to make that guess. <laughs> she is named after a song by Monster Magnet. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> now I feel like an idiot. <laughs> uh, some things comic book related to Negasonic Teenage Warhead, because I want to talk about why that character. It's a deep cut to pull that character out. Who was in the comics? She was just in New X-Men number 115 where she appeared and then died when Genosha was (laughs) eliminated. She was in exactly one comic. She wasn't even who we see in the movie. She was a telepathic and a precog. She had a limited amount to tell the future and she was telepathic. She was a student of Emma Frost and killed in Genosha in the same issue. So not even the same power set. No. And then she reappeared six months after the Deadpool movie came out in Deadpool number one. So she showed up as a member of the Deadpool mercenary squad that he had for a while. Okay. Interesting choice to take a character that really, like if I were to... Dug from the depths of the X-Men universe. Right. So if I was to be like, oh yeah, we're going to put Maggot. Nobody knows who Maggot is. Maggot, his mutant power was he had two giant maggots that lived inside of him. And that's how he ate as he sent them out. The 90s were a weird time, man. There was a lot of cocaine. There was a lot of LSD. There was. So I'm going to give you all a second to think about this. What other obscure X-Men character that would be fun to throw into these movies? Because now everybody knows who Negasonic Teenage Warhead is. Her power set is different in the movies, which is fine because it's cool. Well, you're assuming that I know. Well, you watched the X-Men cartoon, though. There were a lot of weird side... I mean, I know who I'd pick, even though they're not really a... Weird side. A weird side character. I I would go with Legion. Oh. Oh, we're going back to crossovers. (laughs) If we're going to do crossovers. Okay, I'm with Bear. (laughs) God, just... Off screen, just David going, you think you're crazy? I'll show you crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Which is actually a moment that I had reading through the comic. I was just like, it kind of harkened back to that a little bit for me. The separation from reality, the schizophrenia, bits of that. And part of me, that was where I started getting into it. I'm like, ooh, he's a little bit not quite straight in the head. I'm like, this is not something that you really see. I mean, you see him talk to himself a little bit in the movies. Not to the extent that he does in the comics. At least in this comic at all. Yeah, and this comic is actually relatively light on the whole talking to yourself and schizophrenia really? compared to some of the others. Yeah, 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 it really is. They have a lot of fun with it as far as the art styles go because some of the 90s storylines involve Deadpool's text box, which is the white background, the black text, and then they have a yellow text box and an orange text box, which are the two other voices in his head with him. Mm. And one of them is very batshit all out there. There and the other is more of a straight-laced, almost Jarvis 
type of character. The video game did that very well. The video game did do a very good job of that. Also, the video game is a ton of fun. Not a lot of replayability, but it's a good fun time for a one run through. Right. Or jumping on a YouTube and watching somebody else run through it. Because it's actually pretty hard to get a copy anymore. They think pull- it's on Steam. Did it get pulled from it, Steam? It got pulled. Oh, yeah. License okay. ran out. Let's go into talking a little bit about the villains. So we got Ajax. Francis, who in the comic book has the same role, but had a last name. His name in the comic book was Francis Fanny. Well, I see why you take the name Ajax then, even if if it is a dish soap. And in fact, in Deadpool's origin, he removed Deadpool's heart, Wade's heart, and Wade grew a new one. And that was how he kickstarted his powers, according to what I read. Please feel free to. That is in later interpretations, and we get multiple iterations. Because mm. initially, we've got Kilbrew and the leader of the Weapon X program, the lead scientist on Weapon X. And that's where things start, at least with the early comics. But you get flashbacks and revisitations, which is where Ajax comes in there. And there's an arc where Wade goes and hunts down Kilbrew, which is a fascinating story. And really is the vengeance story, in essence, that that we get in the first movie. And if I recall, it's actually a very similar conversation that he has. It's not with Colossus, but somebody else for the whole five moments of, no, we actually need this guy for a thing. He's got the knowledge. We can't kill him yet. And the other villain is Angel Dust, which I do a lot of deep dives on X-Men, and I couldn't tell you who Angel Dust was, so when I looked it up, I was surprised. She was a Morlock and not even a villain. Okay. So in the same way that they pulled Negasonic Teenage Warhead out of obscurity. They did the same thing for this, but they were like, ah, just make her a villain. If they've got the portfolio of deep cuts open. (laughs) Which is all that they were allowed. Yeah. You're only allowed characters that no other X-Men franchise will use and Colossus. We've already given you Colossus. You spent all your hero clicks points on Colossus. <laughs> I, so what? I remember <laughs> actually somebody spending all their hero clicks points on silly things. When somebody says, I will fight you with 200 points worth of ninjas and you can have Rogue and Gambit, I still lost. Yes, you lost horribly. Sheer <laughs> numbers and the mechanics of the game. <laughs> that gives me some pause for considerations for Deadpool 3 because it's like alright so are we going to see the Great Lakes Avengers or something like that X-Force Team Canada (laughs) in the trajectory then because they had Cable into that's not a spoiler it was on every advertisement everywhere so he's got a little more clout we're joining the MCU do you think we get an introduction of a main X-Man in 3? sadly we don't get Wolverine anymore We do, because he's never existed in the Marvel movies. And we don't know what the MCU combination is going to look like. That's still very, very murky territory. Well, considering Inhumans crashed and burned. Yeah. Pretty bad, yeah. There's going to have to be something real twisted for how to explain the introduction of mutants in general to the existing MCU. And no spoilers, but I think... Thought they were doing it at the beginning of Far From Home. Haven't seen it yet. I got nothing for you there. While we're on the subject of villains, 
Unfortunately, we are a very, well, for good or bad, I would call us a very liberal podcast. And I want to discuss what makes me cringe every time I watch Deadpool 1 and 2, and that is TJ Miller. Who, yeah. I'm not sure if everybody at the table knows, has been accused of multiple sexual assaults in college all the way through being a movie star, including just probably six months before Deadpool 2 was released. And in fact, if you are a fan of podcasts, listen to the Deadpool 2 show from School of Movies. Alex Shaw on that goes way better into it than I ever could in a very verbose and powerful monologue on it. Do we need Weasel anymore? You need to replace him with someone. And if they're joining the MCU, then Bob is a prime candidate. Bob, agent of Hydra, is the prime candidate. The other option for replacing Weasel would be giving Blind Owl more leeway. True. But they have really tightened where she is and how she functions Mm -hmm. in the movies as of right now. So without a drastic altering of the character in the previous movies, you couldn't really do it. So Bob would be your prime candidate for replacing Weasel. Well, and I just realized in the movie, they already had an introduction, kind of, to Bob. Yes, they did. He recognizes one of the henchmen and he has a conversation with them. Yeah. Yeah. And there's nothing to say that guy can't be an agent of Hydra. Right. In some sort of later incarnation because Hydra goes through ups and downs and he might have been moonlighting for somebody else at the time. Well, it definitely went through a down if you're going to tie it to the MCU like around that time because they are on a crashed helicarrier. That's That's where the final battle happens, which supposedly would mean that it happens after Captain America Winter Soldier. So, yeah, this has been a great discussion. Does anybody have anything before we do our final question? We didn't get to do... Reed's introduction into the mm. comic books. Right. Should have covered that. At every new guest we get in here, we always ask them, where did you get started in comic books? When was your first experience that you remember with comic books? Oh, man. Putting aside the little He-Man comic books that I read that came with the action figures. Oh, back I forgot in all the about early those. 90s. Oh, oh, yeah. That was my first introduction. But Do you remember how Mossman smelled? <laughs> No, no. Did you ever have Moss Man? No, I did not. He specifically smelled like moss. I don't know how they did it. And it would be like strawberry shortcake levels of leave him in a box and open the box. (laughs) Or Stinkor. Did you ever have Stinkor? Stinkor did not have Stinkor. was awful. And he was the guy that you left in the box until you pulled him out to play with him. Then you put him straight back in the box when you were done with him. My obsession with Deadpool is directly Josh's fault because Josh introduced me to limited edition comics in Cedar Falls, Iowa. (laughs) Call out to Rob! Yo, that's Josh's fault. And... Rob pointed me at a few things, and now I have easily half of all Deadpool things in print in my library. I'm surprised we've gone this far in this podcast since the first time limited edition has been really. Out. That's true. We even have David Harnwine in here. For and, yeah, and Vendetta. Nobody brought him up. <laughs> really? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. No, nowhere in there was limited edition mentioned. So limited edition for anyone that is in the Midwest is in Cedar Falls, Iowa. It is a hair salon in which the proprietor and his mom both work cutting hair. He was ordering so many comics that he was going directly through Diamond, who told him, you know, if you opened a store, your discount would go up. And he looked around his store and he had a lot of room. So we opened a comic book store. This is one of those places where once you walk in the door and you tell him what you like, you get a 20% discount on every graphic novel because that's just how they roll. 
And depending on what you can wheel and deal, you can get some amazing deals or hit the right times. Rob's great. He is, for those who are familiar with the world of darkness, he is literally a setite for comic books <laughs> and geekery. He will find out what your addiction is, and he will have your money. He is He'll enjoy every step of the process, though. <laughs> he is the consummate salesman. Yeah. The first time Jen met him, she actually just wanted her hair done. I said, I know a guy that can do your hair. We went in, and he put her directly below the collected special edition death from Neil Gaiman. Well, no, and it was Sandman volume two, because I have volume one. Right. And I was saying, oh, I really need volume two. And he just didn't say a word, just lifted his comb and pointed (laughs) at it right on the shelf above the mirror. (laughs) Yep. No, he's, he's damn good at what he does. Bear, would you want to keep reading? Oh, yeah. After seeing the movies and after having read through this, this was actually a really quick read. And seeing that there's a little bit more break from reality and a little bit more psychological issues that Deadpool has definitely made him a more interesting character for me and definitely something I would continue reading. Jen? Yeah, I'd continue reading. And actually, this Wolverine Origins made me want to read more Wolverine. Oh. So I'm curious to see where this storyline goes. Okay. Awesome. Yes, because at the very end, you're introduced to a new Wolverine era character Mm -hmm. that not many people are that experienced with. So Can I say it? Sure. Bucky. Yes, Bucky does show up. (laughs) I'm the same way, although I do find my Deadpool, I enjoy him more showing up in team books. The wackiness can sometimes get to me where it goes kind of over the top. My favorite example is he recently showed up in the Gambit and Rogue Mr. and Mrs. comic because he had been on the Guinea Avengers with Rogue previously. And I really like that team book too, because their dynamic was a lot of fun. And then of course she's married and she's kissed him once because there was something that happened. And so he shows up to basically be like, I object to this wedding, but it's like issue three. They've been married for a while because wackiness and Deadpool. The other thing I really enjoy about Deadpool, which was not brought up and really I'm surprised was not brought up in the second movie, no spoilers, but his relationship with death is probably one of the best storylines. So they play with it in the second movie. And I really think that given the way they limited themselves in the first movie, they did an excellent job playing with it. Because since he has a girlfriend and since she is a tentpole character, you can't have this characterization of Deadpool without her. Right. They gave her kind of a sublet on the whole interaction and architecture with the relationship with death. Right. It's something that is a deep into Deadpool's solo runs and involves all kinds of fun galactic tie-ins. But And some they, amazing parts of the video game as we go back to the video game. They play with the themes a little bit and it was beautifully done. All right, Reed. Well, do you have any projects or anything to plug? At this point, no, not particularly. This is my first foray into the world of podcasting, so, uh, but it's been fun. This has been Graphically Novel. Thanks for coming around for another episode. Take it away, Vandello. Novel, but the same old trouble villains always knocking at the door. 
pretty pictures on the page, but nothing ever stays the same. Do 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 do. Show you something you ain't never seen before Right or wrong, or oh, can't we all just get along My mask is no different than yours Pretty pictures on the screen But nothing's ever as it seems Don't want to see my back.